And we're recording. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. So, uh, what are we talking about here today? Today we're going to talk about world building and its tool in it's writing. Tool. Uh, <coughs> and the heater just tried to kill us. Yes. Uh, as a tool for world building, or in using world building as a tool in writing, uh, it's a way, in my understanding, to establish the rules and the set for your world in which you're placing your story. Um, it's a lot of people. I, I think they take it as a, it gets overwhelming mm-hmm. because when you say, "Oh, we're gonna." You know, you got to build a world. They're thinking you got to build everything, like every leaf, every butterfly, every yeah, right, yeah. Go all James Cameron Avatar. Yeah, you know, but you know, you can zoom in on that. You can just, you know, you can only build the town that your story is set in. Mm -hmm. You just have to set some basic rules that you know apply for everything. Before we get into it, like what uh, what got you interested in like the concept, like talking about it? Well, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to some other podcasts, and uh, they they touched on the subject, and it's actually something that I realized that in a lot of my writing, I have failed to do that step. I write some of the stories that I write. I understand some of the things that are going on in the world, but then you hit certain things and it's like, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, your story takes a twist that you didn't, you weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, you have to stop and figure out how that's going to work in the world. And usually for me, I just bulldoze through it and, you know, this or that. But I realized that, you know, if you sit down from the beginning and do a little bit of this world building, set your rules and things like that in place, that when you come to those spots, you already have a set of rules to run it down through. It's like a filter. Mm-hmm. You know, you run it down through there and make sure it hits all the rules. Now, you can break rules, but you have to have a reason and you have to just decide why. Mm-hmm. Having those rules in your world helps you to build continuity. Helps you to build uh, really a trust with your readers. Because if, you know... Just for, you know, a very simple thing. If you're driving a car in your world and you turn the steering wheel right and the car goes right, and that's the rule, well, then you turn the steering wheel to the right and the car goes left, you got to explain why that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you can break the rule, but then you have to explain why the rule. It's right. like you got to know what the, uh, <clears throat> you got to know how everything operates in the particular story that you're telling, and that way everything makes sense. Sort of like a North Star, you know, it keeps you going in the right direction. Right. Danny, what do you think about that? Well, it depends on what you want to do with it. I want like, to make, uh, make love to it, cuddle with it, marry it. For one thing, if you're doing it for like a campaign setting in an RPG, or that. I mean, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if you're writing a story to make money, mm-hmm. the world building, I mean, it's a great thing to have, mm-hmm. and you should have a logical internal like internal logic to your story so it makes fucking sense right but your priority should be making money because just speaking from experience because i mean me and you developed uh three very vast worlds Mm -hmm. and vastly different worlds back what 10 12 years ago if not longer yeah and never did a goddamn thing with it. Yeah, we, did well, we so spent much, so much time building it that we didn't. Yeah, do it. yeah. We built up a fucking <clears throat> Chinese tr- finger trap. The more we fucking built and built and built and built and built and built, then it was just kind of complete waste of fucking time. Well, um, you were asking me yesterday, Kevin, about Babylon Five. Asked me if it was any good, and I told you that the reason it was good was that um, what, what was the guy's name? James Michael Straczynski. Yeah, he. He built his world and wrote it for like a, the full five seasons out, and it worked for him because of what he was doing. And it's like so. There's there's a middle ground between both what you both are saying, like because 
it's good to know what world you're operating in and know all those little details like why everything works like it works and then you have to stop and go okay now i gotta step back from like all of that and go what is this particular story because like i i'm gonna be the one to do it like i'm gonna shit on avatar here a little bit um he built the hell out of that world because he you know he with his team probably more of his team than him cameron uh developed the fauna developed the different types of life thing you know all the stuff that was in it but totally forgot to tell a story and the story he tells like well let's just do you know uh last of the mohicans or uh dances with wolves or whatever and put it in this world that we pocahontas in pocahontas yeah, yeah do all that so i guess maybe just like trying to find that middle ground between it where you've done it you know how everything operates as much as you can now let's like you said zoom in yeah. And get to the details. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think like, <clears throat> sorry. I understand like, like what you're saying, Daniel, but you know, you have to get past the world building and get to telling your story, mm-hmm. you know, cause that, that's like you said, that's where a lot of people that do the world building, they get so caught up in the world building that they forget to tell their story. Like you were saying when, you know, camera, yeah. uh, but then again, like I said, if you want to build a story that's going to be longevity and be able to uh, sustain over several series, which is really how you make good money these days in books is writing series. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you have to have a set of you know parameters for your world that you don't go outside of. Well, what I'm saying is it's <clears throat> great to have a rough draft of that. And like I said, you need it for internal logic. Right. But you have to sell that first book in that series to get right. the ball going. Yeah. Well, you have to, to write the, that first book. Yeah. yeah. That helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Writing is half a step. Because it's like y'all said, y'all y'all come up with the worlds. We've we come up it. with worlds. Yep. You know, I've come up with worlds all on my own. I get so caught up in that mm-hmm. that I never get around to writing the stories. And I feel like it... it, it probably one of the bigger roadblocks either way you know you either get into it too much and you never get to doing it or you start trying to write your story and then you don't have those you know building blocks to work with it's like finding the middle ground between the the art and the job right you know yeah you know, and it i think it goes back to what i was saying uh during the lost podcast uh, My bad. <laughs> it was a great podcast. Yeah, you guys, it was the best podcast ever recorded, and I lost it. That was my bad. I just lost my train of thought, too. <laughs> um, well, while you're trying to find that, like I have to admit, another one of my failings here, um, you know, the Kevin and I were talking about doing that thing with the uh, story with the demons and all that. I'm, I, what you guys are talking about right now is exactly what I've been doing the last couple of weeks because in my mind I've been trying to figure out the logic behind the world that all this is operating in and I have not sat down and wrote past like the first three like little story ideas that I had which are almost like chapters and they're not even like full fleshed out they're just like okay this is what I want to happen I've spent all this time trying to figure out the logic of the world that way when it comes time to get into it mm-hmm. you know how it works and, um, and I just found my train of thought See, I knew if I talked long enough, you do. <laughs> All right, what, what's your training? Like, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Sure. Being the idea guy, and that's basically fucking worthless. Mm-hmm. What all matters is the execution, actually sitting down, doing the fucking work. Which none of us are particularly <laughs> <laughs> great at. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the thing, like, again, you're absolutely right. If you never write, if you never write the story, you're never going to make the money. You're never going to do anything. Mm-hmm. But if you look back at some of the the greatest franchises that made more money than anything in the world, you know, George Lucas built the shit out of the Star Wars world. You know, Tolkien has... Well, Tolkien, didn't Tolkien basically do the language things and build a story around it to use them into the damn story? Uh, I think it was story first and then added the... Well, he, he was a linguist. Yeah. So his thing was making up languages, but... I. I don't know which horse becomes for the cart or how that. The story out. I heard was that he, uh, because of the war and everything, like the story hit him, and I think somehow like he ended up bringing all of it together as the story was coming together. Um, I don't, I don't know if like really one really happened before the other, but, mm. but yeah, you're right. And actually, I'm thinking about instead of series, just like uh, 
Bram Stoker's Stoker, not Stoker. That's the point. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Even to write that one, he had to do all that research first. He didn't just come up with that guy out of nowhere. He built the world of Dracula based on all these different mythologies and real life people uh, like Elizabeth Bathory. So there is a research and building part to it. But like you say, if you don't sit down and start fucking writing or start filming or start doing anything, right. then you're just... You're wasting your time. It's a circle jerk, yeah. 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 So that's a good point. Um, so, okay. We know it's important to do both. So where do you take that from here? Well, one thing, too, like, you know, for me, in, you know, my vast experience... Like all of us... You know, the first thing for me is, you know, make a set of rules that work in your world. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use 99.999% of all the real world rules you want to use. Mm -hmm. You know, because especially if you're working in just the real, you know. The quote unquote. Yeah, the quote unquote real world basic setting. But if you're going to do, you know, fantasy, Starfire, you know, anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to make some rules. And some of your rules are going to bite you in the ass. You know, like like with George Lucas, who mm-hmm. come up with the idea that there is sound in space. And once there's sound in space, once there's sound in space, there's sound in space, and you have to make everything make a noise. And that was he said in many interviews that was the nightmare trying to figure out what does a comet sound like as it goes through no air. You know, yeah, so yeah. Well, that and having those damn uh, space fighters act like atmospheric fighters in space. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And like once you do it, they always have to do it. Right. You know, and there again, like in uh, Star Trek, Mm -hmm. you know, if you watch, especially a lot of the old original series, anytime they showed two ships in space, they're always on the same parallel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which I always thought was weird. It's like like they're on the ocean and they're all in the same exact plane. They use that as a plot point in Wrath of Khan. Because uh, Khan was friggin' ex- his uh, experience was friggin' 2D, like friggin' on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And here comes uh, Kirk with a damn come downward up. drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just stuff like that, you know, like, especially if you're going to have magic. How does magic work in your world? Where right. does the power come from? Yeah. You know, things right. like that. You know, so, like, one of the things, you know, I've always wanted to do a werewolf story. Yes. But the hard thing is, you know, how do you make that work and be believable? Mm-hmm. You know, in the same... And, well, and the thing with that is like, okay, what version are you going with? Right. Get, does, does he go full, or she, whatever, go full wolf, like no, there's, there's no human left, and mm-hmm. then transfers back? Because there's, um, I think it might be on Netflix still, called... Um, oh, crap. I forget the name, but the chick that played Supergirl in the old Smallville yeah. show, uh, whatever it's called, Bitten, Bitten. or something yes, like it. that. I actually bought like the DVD set of that one time, just on a uh, a whim, and it turned out to be pretty good. But in that one, they just turn into legit wolves, and then they transfer mm-hmm. back. Or do you do the Wolfman version, or do you do the Lichens from Underworld, which are more wolf-like? They don't talk, but they still have a bit of their human personality in there. Or do you go with that friggin' uh, Sasquatch style? That just looks looks. It's got the damn body of muscular body of a Sasquatch, but it's got freaking claws. Uh, what, what was that? Um, started back in the seventies. They're still kind of going. Uh, howling, howling, howling. Yeah. yeah, the howling. Yeah, that's what those were. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Huge, just hairy beasts of, of wolves. You're right. Or you go like Buffy, just <laughs> just some weird looking pug nosed dog thing running around. Yeah, yeah. Or Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which actually the series the way they did it, it was more Wolfman, right? But yeah, you're right. You know, it's like which way do you do it? Um, and once you do it, you gotta, you gotta stick with it. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, like I said, I don't think the world building is so much as, there's a lot of research involved. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta go through and, you know, figure things out on your own and how things are going to work in your world and all that. But there's also so many things you can pull from. You know, you can go through mythologies. You can go through all the through history and everything. through history and everything, and pull different things from different places and make your world make you know work. Mm-hmm. Or lose about three days on TV tropes. Or that, yeah. Wikipedia search where you deep dive, and next thing you know, you forgot why you were deep diving in the first yeah. place. Yeah, really. It's like I just found this information. I was like, I did the story. What story? Oh yeah, yeah. Down that endless rabbit hole of links. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Mine always end up on porn, but that's where I start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it backwards. Yeah, you start with the parody and went back to the series version. Well, there, that is Rule Thirty Four. If it exists, there's porn of it, and that is absolutely freaking true. Unfortunately, um, in in the podcast that the greatest podcast ever that got right. lost, um, you know, I brought that up about a quiet place. That was exactly what uh, took me out of that movie. They set rules at the beginning and then broke it about halfway in the middle. Mm-hmm. And because of my OCD, I was just like, I could not not see it. You know, I, I couldn't get away from it. That's why I skipped The Walking Dead. Because in the pilot, mm-hmm. you have all these zombies. Mm-hmm. And dude finds himself inside of an abandoned tank. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about zombies, especially their zombies are just Romero zombies. Right. Mm-hmm. you got this big tank. You have to do plow through, plow through. Right, yeah. good yeah. point. If you knew how to drive it, well, why was it abandoned in the first place? Uh, yeah, that's the same problem. A quiet place had. Yeah, um, you know the monsters. It was like, how did they ever? You got you have literally blind monsters who hunt by sound. How did they get the upper hand? Yeah, you know, well, that's like um, I was watching Ocean's Eleven last night, which is one of my favorite movies. Still one of the best. Love movies, that movie. Yeah. Um, but as it is my, you know, 14 or 15 time watching the movie this month, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's certain things that, you know, start to pop up, but you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, that didn't make sense. You know, like, why did they buy two vans? They didn't know they were going to need the van for the pinch when they bought vans. Why did they buy two vans? Mm. You know, things like that, you know, that just don't make a whole lot of sense when you, you step back and look, but Ocean's 11 has that ability to make you overlook it with the dialogue and chemistry of the cast and even the story itself is is okay it's not great but i think it's the chemistry with the cast that and the dialogue what, yeah. that really makes that movie work. it was the style of the film that made you want to pay attention to it yeah um i was listening to a podcast with tim allen the other day and um i think he was talking with the guy's name micro dirty jobs yeah he, he has a podcast and they were talking and like they're good buddies and they were talking about um, Galaxy Quest. And as a part in Galaxy Quest, you know, which was kind of a parody of Star Trek, but it was also more of an homage to it. And there's a part in the middle of the movie where this rock monster turns him upside down and his shirt comes off and he's shirtless for a little while and then he gets onto the ship. And Mike's asking him about it and he said, you know, was that like, a, what was, where was that conversation like? Basically, like, were they going like, we need you with your shirt off? Because at the time, you know, Tim had, not that he was like buff or anything, but he had lost a lot of weight. He was looking pretty decent. And Tim said, no, that's not what happened at all. He said, what happened was we were doing the stunt and my freaking shirt fell off. And when the shirt fell off, the story logic went, well, it fell off. We lost it because in as they were filming, they had to keep going. So they didn't have time to like try to work out how he got the shirt back on. And so they just kept his shirt off going all the way through the scene until they got back to the ship. And said when they got back to the ship, you know, up in space, he went up to the director and said, hey, um, I don't have a shirt. What do we do? And the director said, well, what does it matter? Just leave your shirt off. Because I'm not going to leave my shirt off for the whole rest of the film. He's like, what do we do? And instead of trying to work out a story logic to make it work, they literally just put a t-shirt up on the thing where he's walking through, coming out of the teleporter room, and he just grabs a shirt, and he says, nobody ever picked up on the point of, why was a regular t-shirt sitting on this spaceship? Yeah. Not made by humans. But you don't pick up on it because you're just so in the moment, you know. So sometimes you can slide that stuff through. I, I mean, that, that's a good question, too. I mean, like, how far can you go with the unexplainable, I guess, in a movie? You know, mm-hmm. why why did this happen? Before, you know, you start to get, According to Marvel, about 10 years or more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, a quiet place. You mm-hmm. couldn't get to that movie because they, they broke those rules. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we both, I'm sure Danny's got, you know, Examples of movies where we'll overlook it because of the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Red Dawn. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all, but we'll watch it. Yeah, yeah, or uh, Iron Eagle. Yeah, no damn sense no whatsoever. Sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now the thing about it, every movie from the eighties ever liked. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Die Hard. Huh? It gets worse yeah. when you go into the sequels. Oh yeah. Oh god, have you ever seen any of those the Iron Eagle sequels? I, I watched the first like 30 minutes of the second one when they killed the main character from the first one. I was like, this is 
I'm not doing this. Yeah. yeah, I'm not doing this. At some point, they start doing like jets versus like old World War II airplanes or something like that. Yeah, that it? was the third one. Third one, the yeah. friggin' second one. What drew me out of it? I mean, they had an ambitious. This was back in the '80s before they can actually get friggin' access to Eastern, Eastern Bloc friggin' military props and equipment and everything. So they did a pretty good job with it. And uh, <clears throat> Red Dawn, they built friggin' mock-ups and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually used the same uh, helicopter mock-up of a hind gunship in, Ro- in Rambo 3 mm. and Rambo 2. I know the way you're talking about. <clears throat> yeah. But in the second Iron Eagle for MiG-29s, mm-hmm. they used very obvious F-4 Phantoms that had been used at this point for 10 years in Vietnam movies <laughs> but, by u.s but nobody really picks up on this right. stuff you know yeah well i mean let's be honest there's probably about a 15 percent of the population who's going to be able to go that's an f-40 yeah that's true, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah yeah the guys that flew them and then the legend yeah, yeah the legend was danny that's right yeah that, that's it that's you know i'm not really i mean there's some more out there but i mean it's a small percentage yeah really. i know i'm just saying like uh you, you see the u.s flying the same type of jet in a mm-hmm. uh, vietnam era flakes and suddenly here's the russians using this and it's mm-hmm. the new stuff yeah yeah, yeah. it's a fair point um but you know like when i was making that joke about marvel i mean every single movie they do is one plot hole after another but they lasted this long and only now are starting to hit a wall where they're not just like guaranteed hits. Mm-hmm. And well, right now they're going to the well of previous Marvel movies with uh, one, what is it, that new Spider-Man thing? No uh, Way Home. No Way Home, where they're bringing them back around. Yeah, yeah, they're bringing up friggin' ones from the previous two Spider-Man series and they're just going for friggin' nostalgia bait from those. They're not using the friggin' internal MCU stuff anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go that route with the X-Men. There's rumors. There's rumors that uh, Hugh Jackman has been in talks with Marvel to come back around with exactly what you're talking about. Which they should just go with the dude from uh, Venom because he's the perfect friggin' build for actual Wolverine. If he puts his muscle back on, he is, yeah. Um, Perfect height. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Wolverine's my height. Uh, dude that's playing Venom is actually like five foot seven or five foot eight. I'm five foot five. Uh, Wolverine's actually my height. Well, I mean, I'm just saying he's a he'd little be bit, closer. He'd, he'd be, be closer, closer yeah. than Hugh than Hugh Jackman, which huge is my Jackman. height. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, yeah, because Hugh, I can't want to say huge. Hugh is like you know well over. He's about your height, actually. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, not built at all. He's always ripped, but he wasn't. Which is, we're going back to internal logic and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of why I didn't like uh, the Dark Knight Rises or whatever. You've got oh the last one. Yeah, Tom Hardy is Bane, mm-hmm. who is as you say five eight five nine, mm-hmm. going against friggin' uh, Christian Bale, who is again six one six three something like that. He's pretty tall i mean i think he's just a little over six foot and bane's supposed to be the big muscular uh, yeah. yeah that was the big and and supposed to be like latin american or something like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah instead he sounds like yoda <laughs> there was a plethora of problems with that movie when all three of them really you know because like i'm you know draw the ire of everybody but you know the second one the second one with heath ledger I still say he didn't play the Joker. He played a good social terrorist, but he didn't play the Joker. Right. Uh, right. And it made no sense with the other two movies. None. And I still feel like they put it out of order because he would have sent the daughter and Bane first to do it. And then when they failed, then Rajah Ghul would have came. I don't think they had any idea they were going to end up doing three. I don't either. Uh, there was like they did the first one with oh well that worked I guess we'll do another one because yeah I remember at that point Nolan he was still pretty new mm-hmm. he only had a couple of movies under his belt so there was no guarantee that this was going to work yeah yeah um, I still don't see why people like his other than Batman Begins mm-hmm. his other movies uh, eh. I I like his style because he's it's more cerebral because um, typically that's what he's doing he's he's trying to look at things there's a book called. Um, well, I'll take that back. I liked Inception, but 
that last one with Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. eh, not so much. The one in space, yeah. I, I can't remember what the name of the book is, but I was listening to the audiobook version of it uh, last year, um, the Nolan something or other. And basically he has this just fascination with time and perception. So that's why everything he's done is either about the perception of things, where Batman, that whole series, is actually the most straightforward thing he's done. Hmm. Tenet, um, I bought it before I watched it. Because it was like right after lockdown. I was like, I, just, I need something new. Mm-hmm. I knew he'd do something weird. So I went and watched it. And I wanted to like it. It's not a bad movie. But actually fits perfect with what you both are saying. He had the concept of something he wanted to try. Basically doing everything in reverse. And then trying to make it work. And then he shoehorned everything else into it. There's a scene pretty early in it where what they tell you is there's this radiation. That if you radiate something... It reverses back in time, like it moves backwards in time instead of forward in time. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Um, as science fiction goes, workable. But then the lead actor, he goes in and they're trying to show him that like you can work with this stuff, and as you're moving forward, it moves backwards just so you can kind of bring things together. And they show him loading a pistol. They're trying to teach him how to do it, loading a pistol, where the bullets start flying into the gun. So the bullets are reversed, but the gun's not. So. He's like, well, how are you doing that? And essentially, they just go, instinct. What? <laughs> like, you're not even going to try? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's literally what they did. He's just like, oh, instinct. No. <laughs> like, no. That's just, let stop that. Now you're doing James Cameron shit. Somehow yeah. you instinctively know how to rework time. Yeah. 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 Okay. You just have to reflectively know how to catch the bullet. Like, Neo? What? But, yeah, it suffered from the same thing. Like, I have sort of, not with, I don't even hate anything he does, but... I completely am with you on not everything is a, you know, knock out of the park. Yeah. Well, everybody thinks it's all, I mean, I think it gives the illusion of being cerebral. But cerebral? It, whatever. <laughs> but it's hyped more than it is. It's kind of like watching No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. I've still got to watch that. It's great, maybe. Which... He loves it and you hate it. So now i got to watch it and see what... Everybody hypes that thing up as being cerebral. Mm-hmm. And all it is is friggin' insomnia cure for me. Boring as fuck. It, it all depends on, like, I guess maybe, like, what mood you're in. Because I'm the same way sometimes with these movies. Um, I tried watching Hereditary last night again. And as I was going through, I kept checking the time because I knew where I'd stop the first time I tried it. I stopped at 15 minutes the first time. I stopped last night at 28 minutes because my eyes were closing. I want mm-hmm. I, the thing was actually I'm starting to like movies that had that super slow pace and like there's a company called A24 that makes all those movies. Um, I'm getting into their stuff more. Like the, I just watched a movie the other night called The Green Knight, and it's a very unconventional knight's tale, essentially. Yeah, it's based off the old Arthurian legend, uh, right? Arthurian. Arthurian. Oh, I had to say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. King Arthur. Um. It's, yeah, it is based off something like that. It's off of an old poem. And it's really slow. It is not a action adventure at all. And I like that. But like you said, sometimes people see stuff like that. I think me and you've had that conversation. I don't know if we have or not. But Well, there's me and you have the reverse thing of I like Alien because of the slow buildup and the scenery and everything. And it bored the shit out of you. And then I eventually came back around and liked it for the exact same reason. Yeah, uh, well, like the well, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of, that's what I say. We did the same thing with Lord of the Rings with you and me. You know, I loved it, but you couldn't watch it. And, well, until we got the extended versions, where you know, I felt like the extended versions gave you enough information to keep you interested. There was just something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But you're right. Maybe it was just like there was just so much more to like sink your teeth into. And plus, when that first movie came out, I was twenty twenty one. If it wasn't moving like that, yeah, I couldn't. You know, my ADD just wouldn't let me have it. By the time we got to the extended edition, the edition DVDs that you had, I'd slowly got to where I'd, I did it. I'd say the movie that did it for me it was a Bill Murray movie with him, a young Scarlett Johansson, uh, Lost in Translation or yeah. something like that. Watching that one somehow or another made it where I was like, okay, I can enjoy movies like this. You know, yeah. Give it a chance. But I still have to I, get in the right mindset. I can absolutely see what Dan's talking about with No Country for Old Men. You know, it's a slow, slow burn movie that's just, it's very methodical, just very slow moving through, and everything kind of happens in a very, you know, 
it slowly opens up into these things. But for me, you know, the story of it is really good. You know, you got this guy who's starting to question his place in the world and then this other guy who's just fucking everybody up. Yeah, which is pretty cool. But um but yeah, I mean it's definitely an acquired taste. And it's not even the director. What are, what are her names? Uh, the, the Coen brothers. Coen brothers. Coen brothers. Yeah. They are very hit or miss with me. Didn't they, didn't they do um, the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. too? Yeah. 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 I like that. I like Raising Arizona, and uh, they they also did that one with uh, Clooney. Oh, um, oh, brother, brother, where are thou? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't like their friggin' remake of uh, True Grit. Grit. Still ain't seen that. Yeah the the True Grit remake. I think they tried to go. It went really against their style of the things that they've done. You know, they usually have an element of of humor mm-hmm. in there. You know, quirkiness. A, yeah, it's a little. It's everything they do is just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, left of center. And the dude isn't John Wayne. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to take on that role as you know somebody that has played such an iconic role. It's so iconic that he made True Grit, and then they made another movie based on that character. Who who played him in the new one? Uh, Jeff Bridges, the dude. Okay, the dude. Who I mean, fantastic actor. Yeah, he's yeah. a great actor. You know, but he he, I think he tried to play the role a little too much like John Wayne. Instead of making it his role, he mm. tried to reprise. Well, the John it was Wayne. based off a book. I right. mean, the John Wayne one was based off a book too. But it, they built that book. They built the story of the the movie story around. Uh, John Wayne's character, mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, when they they tried to play the Coen Brothers version of it as just an adaptation instead of a remake of the of Wayne the movie. movie, yeah. But you've got friggin' the dude doing John Wayne lines that he did in the original version, right? Just does not work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's literally quoting lines from the original and that was to me what made it not work um another part that didn't work for me was um matt damon i i I don't i like matt damon in some things he does a good job but in that role it just didn't work you know i mean granted there again you know they had glenn campbell played it in the first one with john wayne it's it's hard to beat that movie i mean when you go back and you watch it it's one of those movies that really shouldn't have been remade you know, just leave it alone. Just walk let away it from it and let it be what let it is. It yeah. You know? But like with, um, you know, you're talking about walking away from movies and then coming back and getting into it. Mm-hmm. The Big Lebowski was like that for me. You know, somebody told me, just go buy The Big Lebowski. Just go buy it. Don't even mess around with borrowing it. Just buy it because you're going to love it. Right. And I sat down and I tried to watch it the first time and I made it about 15 minutes into it and I was like, this is dumb as shit. You know, and then I left it alone. I went back again and... uh was watching it again, and I was, it's like, I, I, I got it. I was like, the reason it is so good is the absurdity of everything. It's just like so fucking absurd that it, it's, you know, and now I can watch it and get, you know, something out of it every time I watch it. It's like, oh, brother, where are they? Every time I watch it, I find something different that I haven't seen before. Both of those movies, like, you remember after I had my gallbladder surgery, like, I came to stage your place mm-hmm. for a while. Both of those two movies, like, I, everybody was just hyped it up, and I was like, uh, I can't get into it. Like I, I, I maybe I didn't get it, and I, I'll admit, I have a knee jerk reaction. I probably missed a lot of good movies because when people start hyping stuff, I automatically don't go watch it. I, th- I think it's, it's our overabundance of lack of confidence in the human race. That well, that too. <laughs> a lot of them start saying, "Oh, it's great." It's like, no, it's not. Well, actually, no, you get burned not. so many times, and people going, "This is so great," and you go watch it like, "This is shit." Yeah. And, well, it's like uh, yeah. trying to watch Kevin Smith movies when you're friggin' sober. Which is the only way I ever tried to watch me. Why well, I can't get into it? You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I'm not a big, huge uh-uh. fan of Kevin Smith. Uh-uh. I mean, they're they're great when you're friggin' high sixteen tight. through twenty when you're high as fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. but eh. sober is like yeah. Now you see like because like there was a time where Danny would hype him up to me, and that was the difference. He was mm-hmm. like talking about. It, and I'm like yeah, like on my side of things, it's like that looks just dumb as fuck. But I totally get what you're saying though. You know, if you're in the right frame of mind, I'm sure it's like fucking great. You it's know? like all the stoner movies. I mm-hmm. mean, friggin' Harold and Kumar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
dude, where's my car? Euro trip, stuff like that. Very great when you're high or drunk and when you're young and in college years and everything. But yeah. you get older. Eh. I'll tell you now, my movie tastes have changed so much. Uh, like that Green Knight, if that had come out just 10 years ago, there's mm. not a chance in hell I would have tried to watch it. Yeah. Um, Hereditary, like I wouldn't have tried it. Um, it's just a lot of these like really slow burn movies. And Hitchcock, that's a good point about him too. Uh, somebody was saying on a podcast somewhere that, you know, people keep saying like he's, you know, this sort of master of horror, like he didn't do horror, he did suspense. Right. And... His movies are actually very slow burn compared to some of the other movies of his time that were horror or that were, you know, the the action movies of the day. And you have to be prepared for that. You have to sit down and wait for these characters to slowly walk through the room and slowly do their thing and kind of get to the point because he's just trying to torture the shit out of you before you get to that thing. And if you're not in that mindset, it's like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why you guys are so big about that. There are people who absolutely hate Hitchcock movies for that reason. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I... Hitchcock's hit or miss with me. You know, there's some, he's got some movies that I'm like, okay, this is fucking genius work. Mm-hmm. And there's some of them that I'm just like, eh. His, his early movies were his best movies. Yeah. Over yeah. time, it's like, it, I think he hit a point where he was like, oh, I've kind of done this. I, I got to tell you this, but talking about Hitchcock, I was talking about, I'm not going to say who it was, <clears throat> somebody about movies. And it's one of those people who they talk, but as they talk, you can tell they have no idea. What the fuck they're talking about? So it was me. No, okay. Not, not on this time. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we got talking about that, and somehow the movie Birds come up. Okay. You know, great Alfred Hitchcock movie, cool thing. And we were talking about Birds and talking about other suspense movies and whatever. And what I'll ask you two guys: What was Hitchcock's most famous film? Uh, Vertigo and Psycho are the two that come to mind for me. I'm not really a Hitchcock. Fan. Okay. Okay. But. We, we can all say Psycho is probably one of his. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll always come up short. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about birds and something else like High Anxiety, which is a Mel Brooks movie, which is a parody of one of. And this dude actually says, "Could you imagine if you know somebody like Hitchcock had done like Psycho?" What? Whoa! And I was like, "My experience damn. with Hitchcock is damn. more remakes of his stuff." Like uh, the remake of Psycho, and well, not that. It's the you've you've seen Fright Night, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that whole through uh, the window s- thing, story thing through the window thing. Mm-hmm. There was you've got that, and it was based off a Hitchcock story. Yeah, I don't know which one, but they've also made they made one a few years ago. I think uh, I think Vertigo they had a Shia, Shia LaBeouf or whatever the Shia hell. Shia yeah, yeah, Suburbia. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. That was based off, like I said, mm-hmm. I, It's either that or the Rear Window. I can't remember if that was the name of the, through the Rear Window, maybe or something like that. But uh, James Stewart played the character. Yeah. Um, that was that's one of those two. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That was Suburbia was was kind of like through the Rear Window where he's spying on his neighbors and all kind of crazy. And he's stuff. seen all the stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah. They mm-hmm. had a recent one on uh, Shutter, which is. They did a whole retro thing, based it in the 80s, same basic plot. Mm -hmm. It was pretty good for what it was. Yeah. Well, there's some tropes. Well, tell him the story you were telling me about House. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was reading a thing the other day, or it was a podcast or something, I don't remember. Anyway. But they were saying that the show House is directly based off of Sherlock Holmes. Never would have called that. They said that instead of being a detective, he's a doctor. But he still has a Watson sidekick. And they actually both live at 221 Baker Street. Never picked them up. <laughs> Not <laughs> once. There's <laughs> all kinds of stuff through there where they were connecting the dots. And it's like, House is Sherlock Holmes. He's just in the medical field and not a thing. And I was like, That's, that makes it better. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, as much as I loved House to begin with, that makes it better. Yeah. You know, uh, some of the writing got kind of wonky, but you know. And that, that was another one of those things too. I think a lot of the reason that I liked that was the chemistry and dialogue of, you know, the stuff between the characters. That's yeah. the same thing with Firefly, with Babylon Five, all those kind of shows. Like that, the chemistry between the characters is really what drives it. Mm-hmm. If you have a good story, but the characters are just like you know, cardboard bouncing into each other. Yeah, 
Seen, see you know. every canceled sitcom ever, or like yeah. every show in USA from the nineties, yeah. USA Network, like all those uh, cop drama things. It was just like <laughs> flat. They're doing a friggin', or they did a uh, friggin', what do you call it? Uh, they brought back Nash Bridges for a movie, and just on the friggin' like cut. actual Nash Bridges from the show, kind. Of? Yeah. Oh wow. And they're old, and it just was. <laughs> It just looks sad. Speaking of old looking sad, uh, I saw a preview, the first preview that I've actually watched for the new Matrix movie. Doesn't, isn't that pretty rough looking? That's that. Should have mm, left that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this soon because even though, yeah, it was what, 20 years ago that uh-huh. they came out? Still, too soon. Too soon. Because Matrix has stayed so relevant. You know, mm-hmm. it's always there. You know, of course, you know, 90% of the conversations about Matrix is how bad the sequels were. Oh, yeah. But the movie... The first movie The first itself. movie yeah. has stayed relevant. You know, we can... I can sit down right now and watch that movie. It's too too soon to try to remake it and just such a... Mm, they, God, it's going to be rough. They shouldn't have tied it to... It's like the, they threw John Wick into, yeah. you know, the original. Yeah. Um, and, like, both of them... I mean, you know... <laughs> Yay for him, for John Wick and everything, but there's a certain point where you're starting to look a little too old for the part you're playing. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, like, The Matrix, it looks homeless. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, who played Trinity, um, she's not a spring chicken anymore, and they're supposed to be doing all these action roles. Like, I know it's inside of the computer program, and it actually is doable because of the, the world logic of right. The Matrix, bringing that back around. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to watch that. Like, you know... Um. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't it hasn't enticed me either for the exact same reason. And this is coming from the point where Keanu actually is kind of like Tom Cruise. He looks about fifteen years younger than he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But both of them are showing their age, yeah. or you know, show, showing older though. Um, this is like some of the new picks that are coming out. They haven't released a trailer for it yet, but some of the new picks coming out of the new Indiana Jones movie. Fucking why? You know why? Like he he literally looks like they they wheeled him out, stood him upright, put a hat on him, so okay go, and he's out doing it, and then it just looks like old guy doing a movie. It, it, it's at a certain point you've got to stop, or at least branch off into a new series of stories that have nothing to do with indie. You know that. Obviously, I haven't seen anything about it yet or anything like that. There's not much out about it, but that would be cool. If they make the movie around the premise of, you know, I'm too old for this shit, you know, yeah. If if he's running around and that's actually the stick of, you know, old motherfucker, you need to go home. You yeah, know, yeah. Literally might, every Steven Seagal movie in the past 25 years, something like that. Yeah. Or if he could turn around and play the part like Connery played in the third mm-hmm. movie, you know, playing the older guy that you know. Can we can we agree that the third one's the best? Oh one? fuck yeah! And I yeah. love the first two. The second one was my first until the third came out. But that third one is like to me that is what a good movie is. It had humor, action, drama, and those two together, mm. him and Connery, was like two of the. I, like I wish they had done more movies together. Yeah, because you didn't realize just how fucking funny Sean Connery was. That was the first comedic thing I'd seen him do, and it was amazing. Like yeah. I, I love that movie. Matter of fact, I'm going to watch that tonight. Well, yeah, his, his last uh, movie as James Bond was pretty good too. I mean, he had Nicolas Cage to play off of. Really? Is James Bond? That wasn't a James Bond movie. Oh, that's that's a Danny joke. Or it's not a Danny joke. Is pretty much what the character was meant to be. Was meant to be, but wasn't canon. <laughs> it wasn't canon, but he was James Bond in name only. Uh, what was that? The Rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a movie that had nothing to do with James Bond. <laughs> and, yeah, but they were like his character was essentially like James Bond who went to jail. Yeah. Yeah, he still was that guy, and, and really, if you look back at how he played it, yeah, he was he yeah. was old James Bond. Yeah. But yeah, it was. It was a good movie, though. It was a good movie. It, it was a good movie. Um, but again, like he's just one of those like you just didn't didn't know he could play that guy, you know. But you're right. Yeah, that was that was definitely the best one. I still need therapy from Crystal Skull. Mm. That was god awful. I almost forgotten about that movie. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, I'm not gonna be the only one to suffer. Well. And this new one is like what time traveling? Fuck, I don't know. I don't it's, I it's, get up with it. 
is something about like a time traveling, um, maybe a descendant of his that comes back for something or something. So like they've gone like way past what it originally was, and now they're adding all the science fiction elements in, and it's just no. <laughs> I I, I, w- I want to talk about this because I didn't know. I want to talk about it on a podcast, but I didn't know where we're just going to throw it in here because why not? Well, we never stay on topic anyway. Right. All right. On the subject of time travel. Mm-hmm. Okay. I saw a thing the other day you all may have seen on TikTok or wherever I saw it. I don't know. But. Danny is allergic to TikTok. This guy was talking about, he said, we've already invented time travel. We can't figure out space travel. Okay. No, I haven't heard this. All right. We time travel twice every year. Nice. First, he said, the first thing you have to do is understand what time is. You know, what time is... Slipping slipping into the future, right? Right. No. Uh, Time is something death created to grow the things that it would kill. Time is a measure of distance. Okay. Time is a measure of distance an object travels in space. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I'm sitting here right now and I say, I'm going to travel 15 minutes into the past. Mm Mm-hmm. When I travel 15 minutes into the past, the Earth is no longer going to be where it was. Well, yeah, because it's constantly moving. Because it's constantly moving. Right. So when I pop up 15 minutes into the past, I'm either going to pop up in the Earth because the Earth has moved past me. Yeah. Or bending on where you are, a curvature, blah, blah, blah. You're going to either end up molded into the Earth or in space. If you don't time it just right, you're not going to be where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, because 15 minutes, I mean, that's the Earth is like well, hell and gone from where you were. Right. Yeah. So you would have to not only, to travel back, you'd have to... You have to travel the distance, distance and, and time. Yeah. And you need Superman to account for all the damn... Well, you just got to fly back. Yeah, you just got to fly backwards. That's all you got to do. Or you just need your flux capacitor. But, um, but okay, well, here's the thing. You just threw that out there. Like, okay, when I travel back 15 minutes... Don't blow past that. How the fuck are you traveling back 15 minutes? Like, um, well, right. I mean, because I mean, what I'm saying that feeds into what you're saying. Right. Like, okay, the process of traveling back is going to affect. We're about to nerd out. Yeah, it's going to affect how that's going to happen. So, how are you traveling back? Right. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I get that. It's but it's the fact that most all time traveling theories mm-hmm. don't take into effect that the Earth. Has moved. Has moved. It's not going to be where it was when. That's the problem with all time travel is that when you take it out of the science fiction realm, yeah, it totally negates the idea that time is not a place. It's not a location. There is not a place somewhere where 1952 at 2 a.m. in Lincoln, Alabama, exists. It's it's just our linear way of remembering right. a point, you know, it's something that happened. But like you said, not only is the earth moved, matter which can't be destroyed or created, mm-hmm. right? It just alters. The matter as it was then has changed in all these different ways to where we are now. There is no nineteen fifty two right. to travel back to. Um and that's that's you know, as long as you don't look at that one obvious thing, yeah. Time travel is awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. To, I'm, I'm looking. I'm waiting for like a snarky comment. Nothing. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I don't watch TikTok, so I'm kind of out of. Out I, of I mean, you watch no science fiction. I figured that's something. Well, I mean, 30 seconds of what I said come out of TikTok. Everything else has been, you know, yeah. expenditure upon. So, um, yeah, time travel. Like, you can act like I just told you that and that it didn't come from TikTok. Yeah, I just yeah, I negate that part. Because of the Back to the Future movies, like that was where I, I got my love for time travel. And um, well, there's a whole. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to get this right. There's that old freaking time travel paradox. If you go back to the past and change mm-hmm. the past, you wouldn't have been in the future to send yourself back into the past. Which is what Back to the Future Two was based on mm-hmm. um actually that was exactly where i was about to go there's a scene where doc brown brings up the, like the the chalkboard he's like look here's these two timelines we've created right. an alternate timeline and i remember when that movie came out a lot of scientists were going okay look that sounds cool but that's not possible because there is no past mm-hmm. if you travel back somehow i managed to do it you're just going to change the past but the thing is all right, let's let's pretend like there is a 1952 somewhere, and we go back, or fuck it, last year, 2020, we go back to try to unfuck some stuff. 
What if you're not actually time traveling, you're just traveling to an alternate dimension? Well, that's a one option. But let's just say that 2020, March, when everything really picked up, really exists. And we can go back there because the location, like, you know, GPS can take us there. If you can go back, leap from here to that point, you've unattached yourself from where you came from. So if you change what happened in the past, when it plays out linear for everybody else and you, as long as you ride it out, mm. it's not going to change for you. Well, it's all kind of pointless since the freaking world ended in 2012 and we've just been in this freaking alternate hell dimension since then. <laughs> we call it clown world. Yeah, that's exactly what we call it. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's been happening a lot longer than that. Like 2001, ever since the towers come down, it's like the whole world went upside down. Yeah, everything went to shit when it killed Harambe. When what? When it killed Harambe. Yeah, yeah, Harambe, when, when he died, that was well, it. to go back to a point, since we were talking about the Matrix and everything, mm-hmm. at the same, and going into this whole conversation about 2001 and the Towers, uh-huh. your generation, didn't y'all kind of feel like there was a growing social upheaval coming, like with Fight Club and the Matrix and everything? Just with all the consumerism and everything like that? That yeah. was actually our parents' generation more than us. We grew up with the movies they were making about it. Yeah. Uh, like Fight Club was the they movie were, we they watched. They were telling us it was yeah. coming. Yeah. There was a growing discontentment. And then towers yeah. come down and just put a complete freaking lid on that. And mm. what you've got now is basically just all that pent-up aggression. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's slowly been seeping out now. It's just all out in the open like, fuck this. You know, yeah. I saw a uh, interview with Christopher Lloyd one time, and uh, that's Doc Brown. If anybody hasn't seen yeah, that, Doc Brown, Back to the Future movies. And uh, hey, he'll the guy, always be the crazy guy from Taxi to me, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Uh, but um, dear God, I'm a bummer. They were talking about the you know second movie and everything and everything, and I don't know what time this was. It may have been before the third. I don't know anyway. But the guy was talking to him about, you know, the linear stuff and all this there is there and Lloyd's just sitting there looking at him and the guy gets done talking about it and Chris Lloyd goes, You you know I'm not a doctor, right? <laughs> yeah. I read a script and uh I repeated what I read. I don't know a fucking thing about what I have you're doing. No talking. idea what you're saying right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's like yeah. I, I don't know. You know, you can just see him do it. He was like, I, I, I don't know what yeah, you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, like John Berthall who plays um Punisher in the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. He was up on stage, and it was around the time that uh, Infinity War and Endgame, somewhere in between there. I, I want to say maybe it was like right after Infinity War, so the blip happened. And one of the guys in the audience starts talking to him about the blip and about alternate dimensions and alternate timelines and stuff. And you can see the look on John's face going, "I, I don't what." And he literally starts looking going, "What is he? What is he? What is he talking about? I, what?" <laughs> And then he goes, I haven't seen the movie. I literally don't even know. Which we, I don't watch that stuff. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's funny when that kind of happens. It's like, it's one hand, you're like embarrassed for the person asking. But it's also for the other guy going like, dude, literally, I'm, I'm a talking monkey. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to say the lines and try to make it look good. Uh, you're, you're right. You were talking about, you know, remembering Christopher Lloyd as the crazy guy from Taxi. And I'm, I'm thinking the crazy guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah, he wasn't that. That was one of his early roles. That it? was his first role. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, Danny DeVito's, too. His, too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things came from Taxi. He also had mm-hmm. the the friggin' prototype for the Borat character from a superior actor. Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, Latka. I'm going to be honest with you. Andy Kaufman. I've, okay. I've seen clips of Taxi. I've never seen the show. It mm-hmm. used to be on Nick at Night, so. So you got to watch it? Okay. Yeah. Did come on one of the stations. Dad watched it, and, uh, you know, I caught a couple of little episodes with him, but I was young, you know, so it was like I didn't. It's one of those shows when you look back and, real, you know, you realize how much genius was on that show. I mean, because there was, again, Danny DeVito, Christopher Lloyd, Andrew Kaufman, you know, all those guys were on there, and mm. there were some of the other characters that were main characters. That I can't remember the Tony Danza. Tony Danza was on there. Wow. You know, friggin', and uh, the friggin' guy that played the father from uh, Independence Day, Judd Hirsch. I think that's his name. The father from Independence Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, later on, he had that sitcom called Dear John. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. played. Um, um, 
what's his name's dad? He was with him when they went to the White House. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. Yeah, Jeff like, Goldblum's dad. Jeff Goldblum's dad. Yeah, yeah. He he was, you know, he was kind of the main character. Yeah, they were kind of following him, and then everybody else was just around him. But that show was just pot oh, full man. of them. Yeah, yeah. You, should, you go back and watch some of them. Just pull them up and watch them because it. I mean, like the one where uh, Christopher Lloyd finds the uh, pot cookies. Somebody they fired somebody. <laughs> They fired this guy, and he sent them a, a plate of these cookies, and they're all laced with shit. And Christopher Lloyd is like, he's like trying it, and he's like, that, that's Peruvian from November. <laughs> <laughs> Realize he's a connoisseur. Of, yeah, he's, yeah, he's over there, you know, and Danny DeVito's was looking at him like, what the hell are you talking about, guy? But yeah, Taxi's a great great show uh but they're getting it's another one of the shows like it didn't have a lot of big name character people on it but mash was mm-hmm. a fucking genius show you go back and watch that and you know a lot of that goes back to uh they really played that line very well between comedy and drama yeah they took it serious and had the comedy to levy it up a lot of that yeah. went back to alan alda he was he had a hand in so much of that that they didn't that they didn't acknowledge mm-hmm. when it was going on. He didn't realize he was having so much of an impact. But that show, I mean, it's fucking great. I mean, I could watch every episode, and I've seen every episode. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, yeah, I can definitely see that. But like um, we were talking about the other day, Cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back and you know some of those old sitcoms like that had some fucking brilliant actors on them that were just yeah. you know. Well, I mean, yeah, you take Kelsey Grammer because I'm a huge. Frazier fan like you take his character who was just this side character this really pathetic guy mm-hmm. who damn near killed himself you know in an episode almost jumped off a ledge if I remember right and then goes on to have his own show a whole show that like outdid Cheers yeah. you know yeah. uh, and both shows were just like had great cast great writing you know so yeah I will never forget the first time because I'd seen Kelsey Grammer in Cheers and then I'd seen him in Frasier so I knew he had a comedic side mm-hmm yeah. I think but I know where you're going. Then he made that movie Down Periscope. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, holy shit. This yeah, did, like, this have you ever seen really the movie? Yeah. Funny. Yeah. That is a great fucking movie. And then yeah. I saw he did this show. This is what I'm thinking of. The cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon, Gary the Rat. And oh my God. That. Isn't that the one where he tells us, tell us a vagina, not a clown car? Yeah. Or something like yeah, that. Girl, <laughs> yeah. He had to bring a girlfriend or somebody to a company party and he's like yeah this is my girlfriend or whatever and she has seven kids and the boss is like damn somebody tell her it's a vagina not a clown car <laughs> i mean it's yeah. shit like that through the whole thing it's like wow fraser what are you doing you're fucking great keep doing it but you know yep i don't know that's, that's pretty wild um well, it's kind of like some of the damn clips i've sent you of uh norm Doing the damn pigeon on that uh, Adult Swim show. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Freaking Mike Tyson. Hmm. He was one of those guys when I really didn't start appreciating him until like the last year or so, right before he died. And I started really looking at a lot of stuff you were sending me, and some of the stuff that really started to show up on YouTube. And I was like, that guy really was a fucking genius. You yeah, know, I didn't. I didn't get, yeah, I didn't really get it until probably about like the last year of his life. And I was like, man, that guy really is fucking good. You know, I, I watched a a thing where they went through several different interviews where he just slams these interviewers, man. They ask him a question, he just fucking slams their ass, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> There's one of him on The View, and you know they try to get him like they do everybody else, try to put him in these traps, and because he had just not one fuck given at all, mm-hmm. he's smiling in their face the whole time, and every time they're like, okay, we can't talk about that, he'll just stay there. He'll just camp on that subject they kept trying to change, yeah. and they would go a whole different way, and he'd go right back to it. They're like, no, we're not talking about this. Like, okay, and he'll go right back to it. And, he, and when they get mad, he just grins like, ha, 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 you know. He's like, you brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's how he got fired from SNL. He kept on bringing up, making jokes on the daily on the weekend update about OJ Simpson. That's right, and and the Clintons. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. And he's like, we gotta let this dude go. We all can get fucking fired or suicided. Well, one of the freaking executives on SNL was best friends with OJ Simpson. Oh shit. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of like the comedians like Dennis Miller. Mm-hmm. You might not uh, catch all the damn pop culture references, but the damn way he delivered it. Yeah. Yep. Very, just that uh, dry, snarky humor of his. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh man, I don't know. Do I want to go this way or not? Might as well. You're talking about the time travel thing. Yeah, I had this idea one time. Actually, I had several, but you know, they tell you that the light we see on our end of it is stars that have died a millennia ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, light travels both ways. Yeah. So, what? All right. 1952. I don't know why I can go into that year. I must have died then in my previous life. 1952, the light that hit the Earth at a particular time hit, bounced back off and out into space like every other planet. Mm -hmm. So somewhere out there are the photons of that light floating around. Right. Now, realistically, you never could gather those back together and make it look like anything. Well, let's just say you could because it's science fiction. An alternate version of time travel is time viewing would be that what if we, with our quantum computing that can do all this highly advanced super stuff, could send a telescope out there, grab that light, recombines it back together into an image. It goes into a, a chamber like these, uh, these new hologram chambers that they have now and can reconstruct it in a way, probably wouldn't be like completely accurate, but you could reconstruct the moment Depending on, you know, where the earth was, like you said, it's moving and the light had to hit at a certain place. But if you could calculate it and you go find where the light hit and he brings it back in, and it creates this whole thing. And then, like, as a crime-solving tool, you're doing a cold case. Like, okay, let's go look at it. Yeah. Type it up. The computer does its thing. You know, like the whole back computer. Ding, 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 ding. Right. You know, yeah, and then all of a sudden, here's this hologram. You go look at it and you go, oh, well, I mean, maybe he was wearing a blue shirt instead of red because it's not always accurate. But... That face is right. Yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah, and then you could build it back. And that was like one version of time travel I thought was kind of possible. It, it's not time travel, but more like time viewing. Mm -hmm. And then being able to reconstruct the past. So we think something went down one way, and you play it back and go, oh, well, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, got that one wrong. Or, oh, we were right. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the uh, the new telescope they're fixing to send up? Mm-mm. It's like the replacement for the Hubble when you stand up there. And uh, we're, with it, they're supposed to be able to view the closest planet to us that could sustain life. We're actually supposed to be able to see this thing. I know I've been here lately. Like They've been finding planet after planet on the outside of mm -hmm. our known galaxy or whatever. Um, and realizing like there's a lot of livable planets that are a lot closer than what we thought. Yeah. Um, so that would, be, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I know they had this thing that happened not too long ago. Like they had the uh, some spacewalks that they had to cancel because they had to bring them inside, like on the uh, International Space Station, because debris from some shit. It was either China or Russia. Russia. Russia had exploded some of their stuff, and the debris, as as like I say, everything's traveling around, started coming into contact, and it was you know could possibly kill them and or destroy the station if it hit just right. Yeah. And between that. And then another guy saying, like, well, I don't know if y'all realize it, but, like, basically we have Saturn rings around our planet that are debris from all the right. satellites and stuff we put up. So there's actually technically all this space junk that we could be using as weapons due to everything in rotation with each other. Mm -hmm. Back to Babylon 5, that was sort of a thing they did in that show. There's a, a war that builds over the whole thing. And at one point, uh, what, what was the ones with the hair? The Minbari? No, it was the Centauri. Centauri, thank you. Centauri, um, if you ever watch this one, it's like they're bald in the front and big hair in the back. Um, they do a thing where they take asteroids and chunk them at planets. And so you just sit up here and just basically throw rocks. Mm -hmm. So imagine doing that, but with all the crap we got up here, if you could ever weaponize that shit. Yeah. Because it's already there. You just grab it. And well, Robert Heinlein basically already made that story. The moon is a harsh mistress. You had a colonist on the moon. Mm -hmm. They were basically shooting... They had a delivery system to send a helium-3 or whatever they were using for their fusion mm -hmm. reactors they were mining up there. But instead, they sent big fucking rocks down there and shot them at the Earth so they could get their independence. That's the way to do it. That would suck. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. That's, that's like slow uh, extinction. Just boom, 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 you know. But yeah, um... A lot, of, a lot of stuff happened up there. Well, that was one of the whole ideas from uh, the 80, 1980 Star Wars thing. Was It's called Raj from God. Basically, you've got... Oh, you're talking about the actual Star Wars project that Reagan yeah. was doing? Oh, okay. One of the delivery systems was a space-based uh, thing that shot big tungsten 
basically big tungsten uh, telephone poles oh, at uh, high speeds at the earth, and that whole friggin' kinetic hit from the high speed would pretty much be the equivalent of a nuclear weapon. Holy shit. Once you get into science fiction, it's called a relative, relativistic kill vehicle or something. Makes sense. Use physics. Yeah, you know? no doubt. Well, there was a new story that just came out that uh, they finally, for the very first time with fusion, managed to create a fusion explosion that lasted longer than the fuel that was used to create it. In other words, they, they you know, sustained fusion. It didn't last forever, but... Yeah, yeah. fusion's been 20 years away since I was a kid. It's it's now just about here. Um, I'm sure that's, what we, that's just what we need. We can make everything better with that. Fusion? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all good until that one explodes and then... Everything doesn't stop exploding anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the one thing that doesn't stop. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, we're not going to get to Mr. Fusion any other way. So to our three listeners, do you know what Mr. Fusion is? <laughs> I would say email us or uh, whatever. We don't really have a good way to contact us. So if you know what it is, tell a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Think it telepathically. All right. Uh, so we talked all about world building all of like five minutes. And then we, don't yeah. we never stay on topic. No, we don't. Um, I think we should start, you know, average, what little, you know, we tell people of. The odd zone is not so much a reflection of the things we talk about, but us, the podcasters ourselves. It's the odd shit we talk about. Yeah. It's not actually about odd topics. It's just, or, you know, yeah, one thing. It's like, what odd shit are they going to talk about now? Yeah. Yeah. I think from going forward, that's probably what we'll end up doing because, like, that's what people, you know, like I said, they respond to us just bullshitting more than, yeah. you know. Because, I mean, there's only one or two of those podcasts out there about conspiracy theories and weird stuff. Yeah, nobody does that. Yeah. We're completely original on our platform, and I blame myself. <laughs> I blame you, too. Huh? I blame you, And you blame me, too? <laughs> Get in line, fucker. <laughs> Uh, any any other business before we shut this thing down? And hmm. Not that I can think of. Danny? I'm just here. Well put. All right. Well, that's it for the odds on. Uh, well, to our, list, our two or three listeners and uh, the five or six times Kevin listens, <clears throat> this is the odds on, and uh, we are advertising Big Chimp Energy this week. Remember to keep your fusion devices uh, plugged in and safe. And uh, if you don't wear your jacket, nobody else's jacket works, wear your jacket to save grandma. All right, that's it. Odds on out. Go get a life. Stop listening to us. We're horrible.